from the uh, from the heart of Bavaria. Oh, oh, good. Oh, very good. Schneider's Bayrish Hell. Oh, we're going to create some hell. That one's got your name all over it. Not your real name. No, no, not real name. I've got Indian Ale, Sam Smith. Samuel Smith from the old brewery in Tadcaster. Well, evening Flucker fans. Evening Flucker fans, how are we doing? We're on the road tonight. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, hang on a minute. Oh, right. well, yeah. Hang on a minute. How many people are here? Oh, well, well, that's oh. we'll have to save that for a minute. Yeah. So, um, right. okay. yeah, good evening, everybody. Sorry we've been a long time again because of COVID. Well, it's entirely your fault. Not my fault. You've been off. Oh, yeah. Because of COVID. I've been self-isolating. Yeah, you haven't had COVID, but you're the... Uh, my lad has. Your lad has, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah. It'll catch anything. Yeah. Measles. Mm. Germs. Yeah. Anything. COVID. Anyway, we've got a bit of an advert to do, haven't we? Oh, we have. Yes. Hey. Well, potentially. We so may have. We may have a sponsor. You big, big well, time sponsor. Well, or maybe we're sponsoring them. Hmm. Is that how it's going to work? I, think I don't know. I'm not sure about that. But anyway, <laughs> Blue Line Tactical. Good evening. Yeah. Yes. So Blue Line, Blue Line Tactical. Tactical, police clothing, apparel, so you can get some discount because they're massive flock of fans, and we're obviously fans of theirs. And we're sat here tonight wearing our Blue, Blue Line, Line Tactical Blue onesie. Line Tactical uh, onesie. <laughs> Did you say onesie? Yeah. Oh, you beat me to it. Yeah. So uh, you can get a discount on that. That's, uh, so the code you need to use is Fluckers10. Yeah. Oh, all sorts of places. Uh, hoodies, t-shirts, hat, caps, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So Thin blue line stuff, is it? Blue line tactical. Yeah, but it's like... Yeah. That blue, theme. Blue line tactical. Yeah. Yeah. Don't mention thin blue line. That's too much, is it? They're rubbish. Blue line tactical. Yeah. Yeah. Never yeah, rated exactly. them. It's my favourite blue line tactical. Blue line tactical is brilliant. Yeah, so Fluckers10 is your discount code. So Excellent. get on there. You can find them on Instagram, Facebook, Buy some stuff. And yeah. it's got nothing to do with the fact that they mentioned they might send us some beer, is it? As, as, as well as the onesies. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Anyway, cheers. Mm. Blue Line Tactical. Cheers, Blue Line Tactical. Yeah. Anyway. With us tonight. Well, we're out on the road. We're on the road. We've road had a hell of a trip, haven't we? We've been all over today. How long did it take us? Well, hours, didn't it? Yes. But yeah. it was worth it. Because we are tonight in deepest, darkest Lincolnshire. Yeah. And we are with... A special guest. We are. Hello, yeah. folks. Hey! Here he is. So this is John. Yeah. Not his real name. Yeah. Actually, I think it might be. Well, it could be. Yeah, well, it could be. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and you're going to tell us a bit about your career in the Lincolnshire Police. Well, I can show you a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I joined Lincolnshire Police back in 1967. I was seven years old. Which is, you weren't even. I wasn't even born. No, you weren't even a little. Well, I was old. I was twenty-four. Oh, sure. Really? When I joined, 24. I didn't join straight away. I did engineering first. Did you? And then accidentally joined the police force. So, what, what type of engineering was it? It was at uh, Blackstone's at uh, Stamford. What do they make? Uh, diesel engines, basically, small right. diesel engines to pump water in Egypt. Right. That was the main job. Did you not enjoy that? Yeah, I enjoyed it, but I just applied to the police force. Found myself at training school at Harrogate. At, uh, and thought, what am I doing here? Because yeah. I've never spoken to anybody about it. Nobody in my family's ever been in the police force. So I just accidentally joined the police. Wow. What was your, so what was the application process like back in 1967? Uh, you filled in, a, well, it was advertised in the newspaper, so it must have been advertised in the local newspaper. Right. And I just filled a form in, and then somebody asked me to come up to Lincoln for an interview. So I came for an interview in Lincoln, and having had the interview, I was told I was in. That was, that was it. What, that was it. And what date to apply? Well, it must be the medical to actually and stuff apply. like that, or not really. No fitness tests. I had no fitness tests. They, did, didn't, they didn't do fitness tests in there. Did they ask you to, you know, perhaps give an example where you challenge some inappropriate behaviour, John? Yeah. 
If they did, I can't remember. <laughs> so put it this way, it's no, unlikely. unlikely yeah. It's very unlikely they ask any questions like that. I think I was okay because I was actually five foot eight, which was the minimum for Lincolnshire Police. Oh, you were bang on the right height. Bang on, yeah. yeah. The sergeant that measured me in one police station said stretch, and he said you're five foot eight. Yeah. So it was it was literally like that. And I think because I was five foot eight, and I could talk, and I could stand up, I got in Lincolnshire Police. Right. I think that's all you needed. Excellent. Don't think you needed much else. Um, so what was the training like at Harrogate? Nice place, Harrogate. Yeah, I liked it. It was at Panelash. Panelash? Yeah. yeah. Years later, I actually did some teaching at Panelash, but that's a long way ahead. But yeah, I liked Panelash. Um, there was a guy joined at the same time as me from Stamford. So we met on the first day when we arrived up there. And from then on, we travelled backwards and forwards together for, what, 13 weeks, of course, wasn't it? Mm, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, and the passing out parade, I was no good at marching. People kept saying, oh, I left, and I kept going right. Um, so that was no good. So I did the PE. Nothing's well, changed there. But if you'd have seen me doing PE at age 24, you'd realise they were desperate to do something with me. Yeah. Because I was no good at it, really. So what was the training like then? Was it very regimented? Was it... it was regimented, but it was very much to do with using mnemonics to learn things. Yeah. Which, in the, you know, I mean, for example, what animals do you have a road traffic accident with that you have to report it to the police? And you, you had a mnemonic, which was HMS pig bag, which I still remember from all those years ago. HMS pig bag. Yeah. Mm. Horse, mill, sheep, pig, bull, ass, goat, or female of the species. So yeah. you, could, you could get straight back in tomorrow, couldn't you? I could, still yeah. know I could still get in the first part. Yeah. They've changed it now. It's Champs DG, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's all kinds These of animals crazy. haven't changed much, though, have they? No. Just no. in a different order. HMS Pig Bag, I remember that. That was HMS Pig Bag. I've remembered that. Well, I quite like that. It's got a bit of a naval yeah. thing. Well, it has really, it? You know, I've never told you I was in the Navy. No, no, no I'll, I'll, I'll just leave it, leave it for you. I was in the Navy. Don't encourage you. Do not encourage you. Anyway, John, let me tell you. Come on. So, 13 weeks at Panelash. And then I. Then I was posted into Lincoln City. Now, Lincoln City and Grimsborough Police had amalgamated that year in April 67 with Lincolnshire Police. Right, so I was okay. five foot eight and was posted into Lincoln City. Lincoln City minimum height was six foot. And I was oh. the first person to have been appointed and actually go into Lincoln City. So straight away, they all said half of him is missing. And I got, <laughs> the, I got the nickname straight away, the bungalow. And I was known in Lincoln for years afterwards as the Bungalow Cup. Even 20 years later, the people have met me as the Bungalow. Were they good-natured about it? Oh, yeah, yeah. They were very good-natured. Yeah. And you weren't offended by that? I was not offended, no. no. There, was, there was one... You see, that's strange. Right. A lot of people would be there, yeah. aren't they? So. Oh, yeah. And the other thing, my actual initials is a JSP. And somebody got up with a TCP. Right. And so from then on, there was quite a lot of people who used to call me Septip. I can remember 25 years later meeting an inspector who was about to retire and he says, how septic then? <laughs> Brilliant. So it was either the bungalow cop or septic. Yeah. One of the two. Yes. <laughs> so what was it like to... What was your average working day then Lincoln City back in the early years of you being there what well, was your it, it was day September then? so when I actually started and we we worked at a 10 to 6 you know early turn and, and evening we didn't do many evenings we did afternoons and nights basically yeah. you were tutored um, I assume I had, a I had a tutor who constable who showed around called John oh. that was easy because I could remember his name and yeah. um, so we went round together and he, he showed me the ropes. Um, and how long did we, that period last for? Well, basically, being tutored was supposed to last, I think, about two, two or three months. 
But I, I, I can only remember doing it for about a month. Right. After that, I think they gave up bothering them. <laughs> they, they, left, they left me to it. But there were six foot beats in Lincoln from one end of the high street to the other. Yeah. And then there were some cycle beats uh, further out. Uh, and that was it, basically. So you, did, you started on foot? Started on foot. Proper um, yeah. traditional beat bobby like type? Checking property in yeah. the days when you used to rattle doors at yeah. shops. Yeah. Even rattling, I can remember even rattling the door of a garage and falling through it because it was undone. And I fell into this garage at the bottom of High Street. Uh, but you regularly you check doors, and if, if you found a door open, you actually uh, had to then let them know what you'd found. You've got yeah. to remember, we didn't have a radio. No radios? No radios. So Whistle. Do you remember, you've seen um, various programmes where there's little blue lights on pillars with telephones. We yeah. had them in Lincoln City when I joined in 1967. So how, how far apart were the telephones? Well, you had, you had a beat card and on the night when you went out on your shift, or, or whatever shift you was on, you took your beat card out, and when you went out with your beat card, as you, as you walked around, you had to be at certain points at certain times, which meant from there you could see a blue pillar. And if it was flashing, you went and answered the phone to find out what they wanted. And if you want flashing, you just carried on to your next hours. And were they very strict about sticking to that beat plan? Yes, you had to stick to the beat plan because it's the only communications once they sent you out to know where you were. So if the sergeant wanted to visit you, he had to have the beat plan and be in the right place to to see you, otherwise nobody would ever find you all night or all afternoon, daytime. So did, did the sergeant often come out and check that you were doing your job properly then? Or did, um, they just like turn up unannounced? Or? They'd always turn up unannounced and usually twice per shift yeah. in the two halves before you, you had your break um, and then after your break. But it was partly for your own sake, so they knew you yeah. were still okay because there was nowhere knowing when you was okay, especially on nights. And were, they, were they quite strict? Disciplined. There was two sergeants that I would say were very easy going and one who was very strict and I think he's the one that probably nobody took a lot of notice of. Mm. It didn't work being that strict. Really. Oh, yeah, right. He was very strict but I don't think anybody on the shift. But you've got to remember there were big shifts. Okay. How many was on, on, on the, I was on what they called group four. Nothing to do with the later group four. Yeah. <laughs> there were groups Thank one God. to four. But uh, I was on group four and there was about 24 on the shift in Lincoln. So turning up at, for nights, um, for the 10 o'clock shift, about 9.30 you would have your briefing and there'd be 24 people there. Wow. So how, many, so other people. how many sergeants? Three. Three sergeants? And one inspector. And one inspector. Per, per shift. Wow. Basically. Yeah, it was a big shift um, and it, it did mean you'd got a lot of coverage on the streets mm. of a city like Lincoln. So were you regularly walking past or seeing your colleagues or did your route plan tend you, to keep you on your own all the time? You, you saw a colleague on your route plan at least once probably every two hours. You always could see a pillar every hour but because of the way that was done you'd normally see a colleague mm -hmm. probably every two hours as part of the protection really i suppose because mm. no other reason for it what kit did you have with you Kevin, when you opened the door to us this evening you were resplendent in your original cape i know not seen one of them for a long time uh, no. it looked amazing didn't it? yeah and it still fit unbelievably it didn't get handed back in no, right. What, what happened? Well, I mean, I don't want to drop you in it, John. Well, no, not real. No, 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 no. Sorry, you might not be a real one. Yeah. Well, it's a real cape, uh, and it's my <laughs> real cape, and, and you can't drop me in it because they refuse to take them back. Oh, really? They, they withdrew the capes in about the middle of 1968, about a year after I've been in. They withdrew capes, but oh, they didn't want them back. Right. They withdrew helmets. But they wanted them back because they were going to send them to some other police services in Africa or something. Uh, but nobody wanted capes in Africa. 
So, so the cape you could just put. So that was the one you were actually wearing going around that on your That was the one I was wearing. Yeah. And you've also got to remember that we spoke about going through, walking, doing, checking properties and sewing, um, running after burglars. There was, a, there was a burglar I saw running away and the dog handler turned up and released the dog at the same time as the policewoman and unfortunately it was her buttocks that got bit by the dog and not the burglars. <laughs> <laughs> he shouted to her stop and she didn't stop. Oh, so the what, dog, the dog or the... The dog kept going answer. and stopped her. <laughs> she, she finished up in hospital with some stitches in a funny place. And yes. Any sign of the burglar after that? Or was no, it we, never, we, we never caught that one. <laughs> So, uh, did said female um, make a complaint about the? Uh, oh the no, 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 no! Sue the sue the organisation, oh, get no. lots of money. They didn't do things like that. Didn't no. no, you didn't do that bit, in the nineteen sixties no. and seventies. Just, 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 yeah, just a bit of tough luck. Yeah, a bit of tough luck. Yeah. Don't waggle a big bum in front of a big dog and run away from <laughs> it. That, that is the answer. <laughs> if you do it, you're in trouble, aren't you? So uh, you got your cape, right? I assume you got the whistle. We we had the whistle. Yeah. yeah. What other kit did you carry? Um, you? You, you had a helmet. Yeah. Um, and it was a very Lincolnshire police badge. It was a very plain badge. It was a black badge, um, mainly so as you didn't shine in the night. Mm. I was told. Right. Whereas most police forces had quite fancy badges which yeah, were silver, yeah. but ours was a very plain. Officially, it was called a night badge, but I can't remember having a day, a day badge. badge. No, on my helmet. I certainly weren't going to be changing helmet badges, so that's what mm. we had. Um, we had, do you remember Harold Wilson? Yes. Yeah. Prime Minister? Yeah. Who was a very close friend with Mr. Gannix. So we all had Gannix coats. Big yeah. coats from Gannix. Right, okay. Um, there was various things went on with Mr. Wilson and Mr. Gannix apparently, but these coats fell apart after about 12 months. Oh dear. But Mr. Wilson probably did very well. Uh, Mr. Wilson, yeah. yeah. Somebody yeah. must have done very well yeah. out of it. But these Gannix coats, they were, it was a bit like wearing a big cardboard coat, mm. but black. <laughs> And they were not good. They were not good. And of course, we had a number. I was 1141. That was my number. And interesting enough, when I got my number, I was told by somebody, I have to make the rank of chief inspector because the previous 1141 people had been a, a constable and the next one who had had 1141 in Lincolnshire had made sergeant and the next one had made inspector. So I was now carrying 1141 and was got to make chief inspector. Yeah. Well, or they shoot me. And ultimately, you made. I did actually make chief inspector. Well, just purely well, so on the basis of. Only on the basis that 1141 had to improve every time. Yeah. And very, very, very strange, just before I left, I met a PC with my 1141 number, as I called it, and I told him he has to make superintendent. I've no idea whether he has done. I think we ought to find out. Well, I'm sure one of our flock of fans who's in yeah. the Yeah, they'll let us know. You need yeah. to know whether PC 1141 ever made superintendent, because that was 20 years ago now, you see. Mm. So, oh, wow. Because it was 1999 when I re retired. Yeah. No, could have done, couldn't it? Mm. So you got your cape, your jacket, the use, the, the cape, the useless jacket, the, the helmet, use, uh, the, uh, the, the whistle, badge. Yeah, the, whistle. the night badge, the pocket notebook. Badge. Uh, well, oh, obviously yeah, had a pocket notebook. Um, we also had a, a separate little notebook. I'm not sure what we're supposed to put in that, oh. but it wasn't the official pocket book. You had a separate one just to make notes. Oh, interesting. Standby. Standby. Yeah. That would yeah. be very useful to be yeah. honest. We had that as well. You had about three or four of them, didn't you? Yeah, well, quite a few of them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, depending yeah. on who was asking. They were, in a little, they were in a little blue folder. So when you opened your little blue folder, you'd got your pocket notebook and you'd got this other little book for making notes. I'm not sure the difference between them two should have been. Mm. Only one was the official pocket notebook. Mm. And that was signed by the sergeant on virtually every shift. Right. When, he, when he, he always put down his make you and weird, make you and what time was. So was keeping your notebook up to date? really crucial 
absolutely mm. crucial. On them days, yeah, that no, I mean, there are no other records, there are no computers. Mm. The mobile phone hadn't been invented. Mm. Yeah. So that was all you had. And that's all you had. And then eventually they issued us with radios, Pi radios. They were, they were the size of a brick. Actually, they were similar to your beer bottle size, mm. but, yeah. but flat. Mm. And you had two. You had one which was your receiver, one which was your transmitter. Oh, really? Yeah, and if you was in a hurry, you had to find you got the right one. And they, they held the battery in the kit, or was it a separate battery? It was actually like inside, the, inside the actual radios. Right. That's why I think it was two, to get enough battery power. Mm. When the, when the uh, radios came in, was it considered a good thing or a bad thing? For most of us, I think we thought it was a good thing, because you could now be in touch. Um, it, we had a few problems that people kept using the radio and misusing the radio at mm. first. It was fun. It was a bit like, you know, yeah. you using Facebook now, I suppose. Yeah. It, it gets silly, doesn't it? <laughs> but, uh, you know, they, it was a good thing in most cases, because you could, you could now contact people mm. and you could talk to people. And because you then started using the 10 code, yeah. like 10-4, you're coming and you're here. Yeah, you? yeah. Don't use 10-9 unless it's an emergency type of thing. And these type of things so th that was useful because before that you couldn't you couldn't contact people mm. you just didn't know didn't do it. you just talked yourself out of trouble now i'm only 32 years and i'm not bad at talking myself out of trouble and never got assaulted in 32 years you didn't want to get assaulted no i always taught myself out of trouble wow, wow that's that's yeah. a very very yeah. good effort whatever happened i could talk myself out of it so, and I've dealt with all kinds of things and all kinds of people, obviously, all, we all yeah, do. Yeah. But I always talk myself out of trouble. That's amazing. Which is, you know, the nearest it ever got is when a dog hunter arrived and released his dog just when I got things calmed down, which didn't please me a great deal. <laughs> we were better off without the dog hunter. Yeah. But no, it, they it are was, a breed of themselves, dog yeah. handlers. They are, they are. So are the dogs, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, they, uh, you, you talk yourself out of trouble mm. mainly, most of the time. So did you have a um, any other equipment? Um, a a truncheon. Yeah, a truncheon. We had a truncheon or batten, as we, we yeah. tend to call them, don't we now? Um, so it was the wooden, the wooden truncheon? It was, yeah. the, it was a standard wooden truncheon. And did that fit inside your trousers or it, did yeah, it hang it, off your belt? It, it, it had a long pocket on the side of your trousers yeah. and it stood inside yeah. and didn't hang loose. Yeah. Had it in there. I'm just thinking, do we have anything else? No, because we bought our own boots. Of course. We, didn't tell them. we had handcuffs that... Um, we had two kinds of handcuffs. We had a kind of handcuff initially that you went to close it, you had to fight because it was a screw. So right. you, you close the handcuffs and it got a kind of barrel and you had oh, a you kind of key to screw oh, right. to actually shut it. That must have been a bit fiddly. As opposed to the modern handcuffs which snap shut, don't yeah. they? Yeah. yeah, if you, if you, you know, shut them, just got them shut. But um, with the metal ones, I say modern ones, they've probably moved on since then, I don't know. But my kind was screw type, so you literally right. had to put the handcuff on and turn the key. Which was very angry for one person wanted to find. Yeah. <laughs> so hardly worth it. Made it didn't make it really worthwhile, did it? Putting handcuffs on. Yeah. It really wasn't worthwhile because it took it longer to screw the screw up. I suppose in the circumstances of the patrolling that you're doing on foot and perhaps only seeing a colleague once every couple of hours, I would imagine that a lot of the arrests that you did were on your own. Then. Yeah, most most of them would be. Yeah. Right. The very first person I ever booked was for riding a bicycle without lights. Because in them days, you used to book people for riding bicycles without lights and riding on footpaths. Mm. Yeah. He never went to court because he gave me a false name and address. That was the very first really? one I booked. It's in my pocket, first pocket book, the first entry, and nobody, I never ever found him. you never seen him since? No. He just didn't give, me a, he, he just, he just give me a false name and address. So I was going to ask you, um, can you remember the first job you went to? 
Well, that's a difficult one. Can I remember the first job I went to? You know, when you landed first at the station and it was your first day, can you remember what your first job was? No. No, not now. It, it obviously wasn't that I can remember the first person I booked to give me a phone number just on the bicycle, but I can't remember the first job I went to. Mm. Yeah. Um, I can remember jobs I went to later, but not the first one. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. It's a long time since 1967, you know. And mm. what was it? I'm getting grossed. Well, you're telling me, I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what was it like? What was the morale like on the shift? Did you get on really well as a team? Was it a tight team? It was a t- there were tight teams and there was quite a lot of competition between the different groups. So that was quite good because everybody then tried to do well. So what would uh, what um, what would make someone highly regarded back in those days? As so someone who's you know who who what would you do to be considered a good cop back in those days? I suppose to do a good detection job on something. Right. Or, or particularly, of course, you've got to remember that we often managed to catch people breaking into or in premises because we were checking property. Yeah. So I can remember checking a garage, for example, and realising the door was insecure, staying back. And it was just after we'd got radios and got some backup and we got somebody in the premises. Yeah. So those kind of things, but without the radio, you didn't do that in the mm. first few months. But as soon as we got radio, you could do that. Mm-hmm. But I only walked the beat until February the 1st, 68. Okay. Whereas I didn't walk the beat for two years, like most probations, because Lincolnshire then bought panda cars. And they, they bought five panda cars and they were all in Lincoln City. What were these? The very first. They were the very first panda cars ever in Lincolnshire, and I was on a shift of twenty-four people, and these people hadn't got driving licences. Most of them, they were Lincoln City bobbies who'd been all their life in the city who didn't drive cars. So when they said, "We've got five panda cars starting on the first of February, '68," who's got a driving license? My hand went up, and I was one of only five people out of twenty-four that had a driving license. Nobody else had a driving license. So despite my inexperience as a police officer, I mean, only been there since September, I got Panda 4. And what was your racy new shiny police vehicle? They had one Ford Anglia, which went to the north of the city, and they had four Morris Miners. Morris Miner. Morris Miner Panda cars. Blue cars with a white stripe crossed through the middle. Wow. Little Panda cars. Um, And I got, from the 1st of February, Panda 4. Now, they were so important, these panda cars, we didn't call them beats anymore. They called them panda areas, so we had panda four. That was panda four, sort of covered an area. It didn't say you've got a beat, you've got an area, you've got panda four all the time. So I got panda four. So what was it? Tell me about your average day in panda four then. Right, well, panda four was, well, any panda, but panda four in particular, first big thing is you've got a radio. A proper radio. A proper radio, there was a radio in the cars. You didn't have blue lights. Right. Because we weren't supposed to tear about. We weren't traffic patrol officers. Well, you didn't actually have blue lights. didn't have blue lights. Right. No, you had a panda car. So you have a sign on it? It didn't, even, it didn't have a sign on initially. It didn't even have a police sign on the top initially. Did it have any livery on it to suggest it was a police vehicle? It had vehicle? the word police on, on right, the side. Okay. The panda cars had the word police on the side. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. Um, and you, you started the same shifts. The, the kind of ten to six nights and so on, and I worked out of a remote kind of police station in the south of the city, uh, in Lincoln. If anybody who knows Lincoln, it's it's the Birchwood Estate and all that area yeah. of Lincoln, um, and Hartsome. So that was the area. But now you was totally on your own, of course. You were never double crewed, and you never had anybody with you. Right. Um, so 
it was it was interesting uh, and it was very fast way of learning mm. because you're suddenly having to do everything the big thing about it is i love them uh, and i love that part of the policing more than any other because you went to everything yeah and you were the one who got sent you had the radio and you're probably half the time going to be first there aren't you you're always going to be first there 99 yeah. percent of the time so you dealt with everything you dealt with traffic accidents you dealt with burglaries you dealt with complaints of assault you got everything so immediately you, you're rapidly learning yeah it's not taking two years to learn on the beat you're, you're in it you're in the thick of everything when you were uh, when you were doing that did, did did you have any plans to for your career to follow a certain path did it change over time or did you always uh, want to be on the front line i always wanted at that stage yeah. to be on the front line i never thought of doing anything else um it was only kind of at the end of two years that things changed really um but, but with the panda car i had the birchwood airfield which was not the birchwood estate it had some houses on at the beginning but the rest of it was still an airfield so i remember going across the birchwood airfield for example and making an awful lot of noise by car and I got out and looked underneath it in the middle of the night and it was all those, do you remember bed springs? Yeah. Nah, it was one of them jammed under my car. <laughs> it took me the rest of the night to find wood and keep jacking the car up on the different wheels and get this my, on my car. Under your car. So then I, when, the, when the early turn took over, I said, take it in the garage and get them to check it's all right because I've been stuck on a bed spring half the night. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so did you live far from work back uh, in the day? No. Um, when I joined, I'd actually owned a house. I'd, I'd had a house built on, on some land that had been given to me by um, my uh, mother and father-in-law. When I joined, you can't own a house. You can't own, you can't own a house. You have, you have to actually live in a police house. So I had to sell my house and move into a police house. In and of course, at that age, to be honest, you'd obviously done rather well. Yeah, really, I did, I've done you? all right. I've got a house. I was 20, yeah. 24, but I had to sell the house. You couldn't, you couldn't just, you couldn't say I'll it keep out. it or rent it. No, you, you couldn't own a house when you joined. Oh, so I sold it. Yeah. yeah. And the Peterborough Building Society, where the money came from, wanted me to pay a penalty for stopping my mortgage early. Oh, no. But the local solicitor I dealt with in Bourne, Ring Rose, his name was, it's a good name on it, Ring Rose. Yeah. He, he was obviously friendly with the Peterborough Building Society. He went in and banged some heads together and they, they dropped that. I never had to pay a penalty. Oh, right. Was it explained why you weren't able to have your own no, property? No, it was just, it was just that just you, it you had to live in, in, in a police house. And the period of time you had to live in a police house was quite long, something like five years. Um, I was lucky because at the end of two years of probation, just coming to the end, they changed the rules and you could apply to see if you, they'd let you buy a house. And I applied and was able to do so. So I got back on the market with, with just after the two years, which is the end of my probation. Did you build your own place again? No, I didn't. I bought one. Um, I bought one down the um, Brant Road that was just being built. So just went Brant, Brant Road, which is now full of houses. It was in the very first houses that just started to be built down there. And after the money I made out of my um, sale, I bought myself a car and a caravan. And that's what we did for all these for the next 30 years. No. Caravan Excellent. for 30 years, based on getting this first car and caravan by having to sell the house. Uh, Shed Dragger. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I was, I was <laughs> really popular on the streets with them, weren't yeah. And of course, you had a 50 mile an hour maximum speed limit on them with a 50 stick on your back of your caravan. Yeah. What was, it, what was the traffic like back in those days? Back in 60, when you, when you started? It, 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 was, it was quiet. Not much on the roads in Japan. Now, the A46 wasn't dual carriageway, for example, was it? Yeah. It was all straightforward. And it, 
you know, it was really quiet on them days. I mean, I, I, we had, for example, I can remember um, somebody got out of Morton Hall. I think it was a detention centre at the time. And I, at the time, was in the CID with a Hillman imp. That was a really nice car in the Hillman imp. And I came down the A46 and this guy thumbed a lift. So that was very good of him. So I got him in my car and carried on to do it. Parked against the lamppost and saw a bobby and said, I think I've got somebody you'll be interested in in my car. And he hadn't got me clue, this guy. Marvelous. Not a clue. He was just sat in this yeah. helmet having picked himself a lift. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah he was a poor guy. Mm. And the panda car was stupid, precious panda car. And the, the guy on uh, late turn, no, the guy on nights pulled the panda car up against the police station by which time I was on the Hycombe panda car and, and he had big spotlights that screwed on the front bumpers which stuck out and he bust the both of them, they both went back. So when I came on an early turn he said I've broken both spotlights but I haven't reported it yet. Um, can you get them fixed? And I went round to Mr Elkinson's scrapyard and he was always a very helpful person with Mr Elkinson. He, he rescued most lorries and cars that were broken down and I said have you any scrap lights? Well, he, he searched his Scrapyard, and he screwed two more spotlights to replace them. Really? But they didn't match. No. But nobody ever, ever <laughs> mentioned it. Really? No. Nope. I just, I just told the other guy I'd replace them, but they don't match. But nobody seemed to know. See, look, these things wouldn't happen. Oh, yeah. Really. Nobody yeah. seemed to know. You'd be yeah. filling out paperwork for, oh, for a day at oh, least. Well, he deployed the paper. What was the paperwork like? Back then. I mean, obviously, you, as you said, there's no computers. Uh, well, there's no pace. Was it judges' rules and all? Ooh. Judges' rules were there. Um, yeah. One thing that was really annoying is that on, on training school you, you learnt lots of powers and definitions. I think there was 80 powers and definitions to learn virtually, and including of course the Theft Act mm. and, and all that. But we'd learnt, we'd learnt all the wrong one because I then changed the, the law, didn't they, in 68? 68 they did, yeah. Oh. Theft Act came in 68. We'd exactly. learnt at training school all the other stuff. Oh no. So we'd learnt. Was, was, was it all different then? Can you remember? Completely different. Can you remember the differences? or? Not really, not, mm. not, not, I can't, you see, you obviously try and forget, don't you, what you've yes, you yeah, learned. Yeah, yeah. So in, in 68, you're trying to remember the new stuff. Mm. So you're remembering all the new stuff. And did you have a caution? Yes, the, yes the, caution, the caution was very similar to the present yeah. caution. It was, it was slightly modified, Yeah. Um, but basically it was more the same yeah. caution. Okay. Yeah, that didn't change a great deal. That. Mm. What was the statement writing like back in the day then? Or was it handwritten or do you use typewriting? Uh, it was handwritten. Right. I mean, you didn't obviously have recordings, you didn't have tape interviews. In of course, you'd handwrite both yeah. victim and Yeah, everything, everything's handwritten. Yeah. Um, for example, on one occasion I went to somebody's house and she said, my husband's married. I says, yeah, well, I suppose he is. No, to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually got myself a bigamist. Uh, and he was picked up by the Met Police. So I went, bigamy. Yeah, yeah, so I went by train. You don't want to take your... Oh, because you know, I had to go down and deal with him. I had to go down and collect him. So I went by train with another, with another PC and picked him up and we wrote a uh, voluntary statement which started at Hitchin and finished at Peterborough. <laughs> so at the top of the statement... Was we, it a cough? It was a cough, yeah, he yeah. admitted it all. No, no problem, he, he wanted to sort it. But yeah, I actually managed to write a voluntary statement started the teaching and finished in prison. Brilliant. <laughs> Back in the day when you were dealing with those offenders, I mean, I know in modern policing, the most frequently felt emotion for most PCs is disappointment at the sentence. 
Yeah. So what was it like back in the day when you'd caught somebody and, and perhaps a, you a, know, you know, a I think, proper uh, criminal? I know a proper. I think the answer to your question is that you 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 learned. I certainly learned quite early on not to bother what happened afterwards, because if you do, you start to get frustrated by it. Do you think so there, there were weak same. sentencing? Sentencing in, was in the late sort of sixties and early seventies, because that theme was sort of continued certainly throughout your career and, and my career. Yes, it's got weaker though, hasn't it? Sentencing, do you think? Do you think, do you think it's got weaker? I do. Okay, yeah, I do. I, we, I, you didn't generally feel that they were unreasonable the sentences. Were you, I did oh, towards right. the end of your career the things yeah. were unreasonable. Yeah. Almost universally now, I think well ninety percent of sentences people are, I can't believe they're yeah. more serious. I know, but I, I don't think in the in the late sixties, early seventies, you quite as much that mm. things were not not being sentenced properly um, you did all I, you did always feel that you, you can't understand why people would defend some people about things that were obviously they were done yeah um, you, couldn't, you couldn't quite understand that in fact later on before CPS was in I was a prosecuting sergeant in Lincoln course I yeah. did prosecutions before CPS came in Oh, well, well the, decision, the decisions of whether or not to prosecute, you'd review the files, would you? And no, um, I, no, I didn't review the files. I suppose the inspector in the department did. But right. as, the, as the sergeant, I went to court and actually did the prosecution in court. Oh, right. So I did prosecuting uh, in yeah. court. Did you enjoy that? Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. Um, and it was very rare that you found the decisions they'd made uh, were wrong. Mm. Um, 99, I mean, the, the best one is driving without due count attention. In all the time, I think I was about 18 months in prosecutions. In all the time, everybody who pleaded not guilty to drama without detention appeared in the Lincoln courts anyway to get found guilty. <laughs> no, I never lost a case. Fantastic. And I, th I think it was the magistrates thinking, well, if they're here, they must have done it. Yeah. And sadly, I think times have changed. Well, have changed. I've had that with sadly one of my time on road policing with uh, seatbelt uh, and mobile phone offences. Right. And never. Only t I've been to court for a few of them, you know, where the driver refutes it and says, no way, I was wearing a seatbelt, officer, I really was. I ain't got time to deal with you, yeah. as it is, so I'm going to give you a ticket because you weren't wearing your seatbelt. Well, I'm going to go to court, we'll go to court then. And I've been to court probably three times for a seatbelt and maybe four for a mobile phone. And every time the magistrates have found in my phone, they've never, because they must have that same view, you know, never. the cops haven't got time to petition out seatbelt tickets to people that are wearing seatbelts. Absolutely. You know, so if you're here, it's because the cop believes you were not wearing your seatbelt, or you were using your mobile phone. So, yeah. Anyway, so how long was you on the Panda for then? I did the Panda for, well, in practical terms, for, for five years, I was a PC. Yeah. And then I was promoted to sergeant. So I was, I was only a PC for five years, which was quick in Lincolnshire yeah. at mm. the time. Um, and I did, I got promoted partly because I went into training okay. and I somehow got dragged into training and I don't know how that happened. So it wasn't something you, you aimed to no. do? No, w one thing that changed it is they changed the rules about when you could take promotion exams. You couldn't take promotion exams for so long, but it changed the rules at the right time. At the end of two years probation, the rules changed, you could take your promotion exam after your probation. Right. So I took my promotion, sergeant's promotion exam. And when I took my science promotion exam, I had the big advantage that I'd done well in initially and was still young and keen. Well, not that young, was I? I was 26. Young enough, 26. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, but I wasn't that young. But I was keen and I therefore did well in the science exam. Hmm. And when you pass the science exam, and I did, 
you could then immediately the next year take the inspector's exam. That rule changed again at the same time. So yeah. where people were spread out over a long period, I was in a position to do things very quickly. So could you take the inspector's exam without acting up as a sergeant? Yes. You could literally just yeah. do as a PC, you do them back to back? Yeah. Right. They changed it to do that. So I took the science exam and did well in that. And then I um, took the inspector's exam the year after and passed that as well. Wow. Um, so because so of six, that... Six, seven years in, yeah, you, you've um, got your inspector's passed? I'm only four years in. Four, 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 oh, four years. Four to five years. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And was Which that is a, why in five years they, they dragged me into training department because I've got both the exams. Yeah. Right. And so was that one part exams, or was there was it like two parts to it, or was there a, a separate process you had to go through other than just a, a written test? It was. No, it was. It was. There was about three papers on different areas, but they were all in one exam in one day, mm-hmm. and they were held in somewhere like a, the drill hall or somewhere in Lincoln. Um, there was, there was, we used to, the books we used to use were called Baker and Wilkins. Mm. Some people will remember Baker and Wilkins. They're the ones we studied from. So you'd got a traffic book and you'd got a general purpose book. Yeah. You'd got a crime book yeah. and you'd got, in effect, an admin one, which was a shorter one. Is it Blackstones? Blackstones. No, it's Blackstones now. Yeah, yeah yes. it's Blackstones yeah. now. Yep, that, they came out and replaced Baker and Wilkins. Yeah. How did your colleagues take to you? Getting through those exams in such quick order was it? Was it? Were you universally supported by them, or were there was there anything you know? Like, is, is, was there any resentment? There was no resentment because ninety percent of them were Lincoln City bobbies who were bothered. Right. To be fair, right. I would I would guess out the shift, and obviously the numbers on the shift change over the years. But the, most of the people on the shift were interested. There was one, for example, there's one um, I can mention his name, Malcolm. He was a, a, a PC. Is that his real name? He what? Is that his, re- is his, that his name's real name? real name, mm-hmm. Malcolm. That's unusual on this show. No, yeah. no, no, Malcolm. He was a friend of mine, and he, he took uh, the decision to go in CID, and he, he was, I would guess, by the time, I, by the time he retired, I would say he was the, one of the best detective constables in the force. One of the best detectives in the force. Wouldn't take his science exam because he didn't want administration, and he yeah. didn't want management. I respect him for that. He just did not want it, so he wouldn't take his exam. And I'm sure he could have passed his exam. Is he still alive? I've not heard from him for a long time, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Well, if he is, it'd be nice to get him on. Yeah. yeah. The senior detective. The best yeah. de- detective in Lincoln. Yeah. But only uh, as a detective constable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he never took take his exams because he did not want he did not want any responsibility. Are you fancy a bit of CRDs? I did some CID, um, but... Hey, we're jumping ahead. We're going to training school first. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The trouble is you've done so many things. Yeah, come on. So training school, then. Yeah. Where, where was the training school? Right. The one at Panelash that I went to. No, but you went... When you went into training yourself. When I went into training... Well, I went into training because I passed those exams, I think. Yeah. And I was promoted to sergeant for five years and okay. as a training sergeant at Lincoln. Right. Um, and it was partly because I was being promoted to sergeant there that they grabbed me for the Skegness for one summer season in the days when you used to send a lot of young PCs and foo sergeants to Skegness to boost the numbers. Oh. So I was actually an acting sergeant at Skegness. What was that like? Um, it's interesting. 
Mm. I enjoyed it, really. I could imagine that was mayhem doing yeah, the Sunday yeah. seat. Some of it them. was mayhem. Years later, I was the inspector at Skegness for two years. Oh. Um, but I can tell you that other forces, when I've worked with people from other forces, they all think, oh, look who you are, you've been the inspector at Skegness. <laughs> and I'm thinking, no, yeah. not really. Because at Skegness, it was flat out in the summer. Yeah. And you thought, thank goodness they've all gone home. Yeah. But the Did end of winter... Did you jobs involving alcohol in Skegness? Well, they didn't do alcohol in Skegness. <laughs> Any jobs involving people from Nottinghamshire at Skegness? I imagine dozens. Plenty of alcohol jobs all over the place. There's, there's one thing that's happened at Skegness when we're moving on a bit far now. I did have a bank robbery at Skegness Ooh. and I turned up at the bank and somebody said, Well, the guy who's just done it, we think he got on a bicycle. Uh, well, he can't have got on a bicycle. Anyway, I went down Borough Strait and there he was riding his bicycle home to Borough with his takings from the bank on his handlebar. Yeah. yeah, and I said to the PC who was in the car, do we nudge him off with the car? Or uh, in case he's armed, or do we just stop him? Yeah. And then we think, now, nah, if he's daft enough to be on a bike, he ain't actually going to have a gun, is he? And he hadn't. <laughs> so we have got a bank robber riding a bike. There's yeah. a lot of people go through their whole career not needing a bank robber. Yeah. I, know. I didn't. Oh, I haven't had it. Well, well, I was just looking, it was on a bike. You yeah. some cash and transit, lads. <laughs> yeah. That was an armed job. Oh, what, you need them? Cash in transit. Did you, did yeah, you yeah. get all the cash on them? I think they were on the way to do the job. Ah, really? Yeah. Was, intelligence yeah, interceptor, aren't you? Yeah. Were they tools up? Yeah. Mm. Proper job, yeah. Was it? Can you remember, not remember the days when we used to have to follow the cash in transit? Yeah, 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 yeah. Follow the right. rules. Follow that van. Yeah, yeah. It was all, it was all during that period, yeah. Mm. See, we, That's yeah. Obviously, so, some of the times in your careers, you probably had people who used to blow safes. Because we had safe blowing going on quite a bit in my period. Ours was getting them out of the side of the co-op with the JCB. Oh, they still do that, don't they? Yeah. yeah. They, they with man, Manitou. Yeah. yeah. Manitou or JCB yeah, straight through the uh, shop, yeah. stock shop. Co-op always put them on the outside walls to make it easy for them. Make yeah. yeah, that's true. And it's like it's a deliberate ploy in the yeah. co-op. <laughs> but yeah, no, we, we, we did have safe blowings. We had we had a lot of safe blowings down um bottom end, Sutton Bridge area, yeah. and while I was in the CID for a short time, three of us went in a car and spent a fortnight down there, incognito. Not even the locals didn't know. And only two incidents happened while we were there. Once we were parked in a barn keeping an eye on a place with and a man drove up, parked his car and we thought, we're in here. And he opened his boot and stole a bag of potatoes. But we didn't do anything about it because we didn't want to blow our cover. Yeah, yeah. But then coming down the main street one day, and I better not tell you which village it was, I Coming down the street one day, we saw somebody jump over a wall and run down the road. And we did get him. And he pleaded that he was the local Bobby. We didn't believe him. So we did catch, we did actually then break our cover. And the sergeant came and took him. He was not the local Bobby the next week. He just climbed out of the vicarage uh, and climbed over the wall from seeing the vicar's wife. Oh, really? So I could not tell you which village it was. Down yeah, there. what village was that? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we actually caught the local Bobby leaving, no. the, vicarage, leaving the vicarage at about three in the morning. Well, maybe that's just you know, being engaged with the community, I think. That's quite I think it was in prayer. Yes, it was. Yeah. Engaged with the community. It was, it was community involvement, it was yeah. called. Yeah, but, but how unlucky could he be? Well, that was unfortunate, <laughs> wasn't it? It wasn't one of the spirit of things. Did you get that? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, ah, very good. Uh, terrible thing. <laughs> so, back in the day, when uh, colleagues were caught with minor indiscretions, what was the philosophy then, back in the day? Was it, well, the rules are the rules, we're going to have to sort them out? Or yes. Was it? Yeah? No, the rules were the rules. You tended to get sorted out. 
Um, we used to get posted, if there was a PC, they seemed to all get posted somewhere down the fence. Right. Oh, what, permanently? <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? They've, got a, they've suddenly got a posting down the fence. Well, that's still sort of how sort it works of. now. If you are naughty, but not too naughty, then you'll go somewhere where you really don't want yeah. to go. You might be moved somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. North of the county or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah that is, that's about the same then. Just to be um, a bit annoying. But everybody thought they'd done something wrong if you got posted to Gainsborough, Boston in Lincolnshire. Uh, was it nobody wanted to go to Gainsborough, nobody wanted to go to Boston. Hmm. When you went to Skegness, did you did you stay up there in, in lodgings or what was the arrangements then? When you went to As an acting sergeant, it was in lodgings because yeah. it was only for about five months. But then I, when I was posted there as an inspector, I bought a house. But this this gets a bit silly because I bought a house in Skegness, but it took six months to get this sorted out. So for six months, I travelled to Skegness to work as an inspector. Well, but then I was only posted from Lincoln. I lived in right. just outside Lincoln in Dunham. Um And then after two years as an inspector that posted me to police headquarters. So for the next six months, I travelled the other way, from Skegness to Link. So I, was that Nettlem? And it was Nettlem. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I actually travelled for six months and six months to only live there for, in effect, 18 months in between. Mm. So moving house was not good. No. And also, did I don't know... No, they did not. No. No, no didn't pay oh, mileage. No, it's terrible, isn't it? Yeah. No. But the daft thing is, I was acting inspector at Grantham, and my colleague, was acting inspector at Skegness and we both did it for about four or five months I suppose and we both got a, a message on the same day to go and see the chief constable both went to see him he promoted me and sent me to Skegness and he promoted him and sent him to Grantham we'd both been acting for, <laughs> for about six months at the other place right. we couldn't understand that yeah. it made no sense whatsoever if it was good enough for the acting inspector at Grantham why didn't he well it's nice to know nothing's changed yeah. hasn't it because no, the, the, most of the decisions make absolutely no, no sense there's, whatsoever there's no logic in that at all Sometimes there is no logic in the police. Though, you? You just think, <laughs> that is true. No. So, how long was you an inspector for then? I was inspector from 1988. About five or six years, and then chief inspector. So, how long was your sergeant for then? Quite. Uh, five years. Right. Yeah, I was five years as a sergeant, then I was an inspector, and then I went as chief inspector. To, uh, the post into headquarters was as a chief inspector. Okay. Um, and then I worked as, in different departments, managing, as it were, different departments. From from 1988 to when I retired in 1999, I was a policeman. I was an inspector. I was a chief inspector, rather, running departments mm. and headquarters. What didn't, you didn't do anything to do with policing, really. Did you enjoy it? Yes, that was always That's a challenge. That's amazing, isn't it? And I kept, changing, I kept changing jobs. I was head of crime prevention and community affairs. But I wasn't allowed to have an affair, my wife said, so I didn't. I couldn't do half the job. So not, like rubber stamp. not like that Bobby from the village. <laughs> yeah. Not like the Bobby from the village. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> so so was, there was a little bit to that. And then if, when I was actually promoted to Chief Inspector, Chief Constable called me in his office and said he was promoted to Chief Inspector, Head of Traffic Management. And I remember saying that, sir, I've never been in traffic. He said, I don't want a traffic officer, I want a manager. Do you want it or not? I said, yes, sir. <laughs> but I've never been in traffic, and I was head of traffic management, which seemed to me really odd at the time. Nearly as Another odd, odd decision. Another odd decision at the yeah. time. It didn't, it didn't make a lot of logical sense. Well, well, maybe they're thinking of you know broadening your your, your skill set, aren't they, by putting you in different departments? I suppose they are. Yeah, yeah I suppose they are. And, and in real, real terms, I did change jobs. But overall, as sergeant, inspector, and head of training in the end, I actually did 
12 years in training in my career right. as a trainer. And did you like that? Yeah, I liked training. What, what were you training back. in? Um, well, everything. We did, we did obviously law, law training. All yeah. the law training was done. Um, and as head of training, I was 90% of the time it was management training you were doing. Right, okay. You did all the management training for the force, but well, more or less. But mainly for the civilians, but quite a lot for the police as well. Right. Okay. Um, I went on a what they call a JCC course down at Bramsell, I think. Um, at the time, um, as an inspector to be made a chief inspector, and it was a waste of course completely because at the time the government were talking about dropping the rank of chief inspector, weren't they? Mm, so right, every, yeah. everybody on that course, and there was 12 of us, we were all thinking, what the hell are we here what for? Are here? What are we doing here? Oh, there is a great bar. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a beautiful bar. <laughs> it's a good bar here at Bramsell, but what are we doing here? If they drop the rank we've come for is. Anyway, they didn't in the end, did they? They didn't get the chief inspector. So can you can you remember pace coming in then? How did that affect you yep. and your colleagues? And was it was it met with resistance? And were people like you know saying, "Well, I'm going to still do it the old the way." The end of it, yeah. you know, because it, it came in about eighty four. Well, it was eighty four, wasn't it? But it wasn't really implemented until about eighty six. No, it, it wasn't. It was about that before it really got going. Yeah. Can, can I say that at the end of the day, as a trainer, you didn't actually have an opinion. We just had to train the force. It didn't matter what I thought or what the training staff you thought. Had we had to implement it. We had to train it. So we had to learn it quick and train it. Okay. And there was some resistance to it. There were definitely some resistance to it. There was certainly resistance to interviews being taped and everything. It wasn't the way CID did it. Ow! <laughs> <laughs> Ow! We have heard stories of uh, people going to court and. Um, to their surprise, they found they've pleaded, they've, they've admitted to about a dozen burglary offences when in interview they can only recall admitting it to two or three. I can't believe that. Well, it's <laughs> incredible, what about, really. You know, um, and what, what were the custody rules like, you know, pre-pace? You know, did you lock people up for the weekend? Because we've got stories and I work with colleagues that, you know, joined in the 70s. You'll get let out when you confess. It, yeah, I went, right, I'm off to the pub, I'm going home for the weekend. Well, who's this prisoner? Oh, it's... It's John's. Well, where is John's? He's gone. Well, he's he's off gone. two days. <laughs> yes, that, that worked. <laughs> it was quite effective, really. <laughs> yes, you, you, there was no pace, there was, none no, of this, there was no, no times. Was there a custody sergeant as such? There, there was a custody sergeant as such. In, in Lincoln, anyway. Mm. And did they ask you questions, awkward questions like. Can you, you know, justify? Yeah, why have you arrested him? Magistrates. Or... No, the custody sergeant. The custody sergeant. Were they fierce? No, no, no. No? They were fierce, but not towards the police who had arrested them. Excellent. Only towards the prisoner who was locked up. Nowadays, <laughs> they will be challenging the PC in front of the detained person um, and making them feel silly and, and challenging why they arrested them in the first place. Yeah, justification, proportionality, necessity. Is necessity. A, yeah. as a, you know, is it necessary that this person is arrested? Can we not deal with them by voluntary attendance? Yeah. None, of, none of that happened in no. my day. Mm. It must have been lovely. It, it must have been happen. great. Yeah, it 20, yeah. 25 years ago, that didn't happen. Mm. The, the, the custody sergeant was on the same side as the rest of the police force. Yeah, yeah. Those yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Can you imagine Friday night saying to somebody, are you having it then, you and I go, no, right. I'll see you Monday. See you Monday morning then. <laughs> no. oh, I'm, I'm on afters Monday. See <laughs> yeah, you in the afternoon. afternoon. I, I can remember we, we locked up a band, um, an African uh, band, big drums, because there'd been a big fight in the nightclub. And they were really nice. And they, they played the drums all night in the cells. And all the, other prisoners, <laughs> all the other prisoners kept complaining. So we'd give all the rest of them their drums. 
and they, they played drums all night for two nights Fantastic. all the weekend. We had a lovely Caribbean band in our cell block. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no way you've actually had their drums now. But, but the, yeah. the other prisoners didn't seem to like them. It's funny, they do moan about noise, don't they? Yeah. But then I think the only thing they didn't beat him was the head against the cell door. Yeah, that's it. That. Yeah. Over the years, and you, you, did you see any change in the calibre of people that were being taken on for the role of police constable? Did, did you universally feel that the standards were the same or getting higher over your 30 years? The, the standards years? were getting higher in relation to their education, but not getting higher at all in relation to common sense. Uh, well, because, that theme continues. To yeah, does it? It does. Right. I, I felt, I would, and then of course the, they started doing the physical, you had to, you had to pass certain physical things, running up and down against a clock and this type of thing. And there was quite a lot of people who couldn't do that, who, who, who tried to join and tried to come in and fail those type of tests. Uh, and it was mainly because you've got somebody who's well educated, but they haven't got any common sense whatsoever to apply that common sense, not in policing terms. Obviously, they're probably make really good physicists, but <laughs> not very good physical officers. <laughs> did you, uh, during your, you say, 12 years, you were involved in training throughout your career? Over the, yeah, yeah. yeah. Any of that, was that, any of that with the new recruits, training new recruits? Yes. They obviously go after different, I mean, yeah. some train them in force, some train them in college, police colleges, and then they come back in force, don't they? In, in the case of Lincolnshire, you went on your initial training course, yeah. and then you, you had one further short course of two weeks I think which was a, a regional training centre but you also had four four two weeks courses during your probation yeah. all in house I yeah. we we told them right okay went through all them mm. and it was mainly trying to develop their skills rather than teach the law you expected them to know the law yeah, sure. except for new law that was coming out you obviously had to do that so when the when you've got new piece of legislation coming out you have to find some way of getting that yeah. information to the force mm. um, but they, we did quite a lot of uh, I can tell you another thing that happened is multi-choice questions came in during my peer and on training mm. prior to that there was no such thing there was your essay questions weren't there and yes. you, answered, you answered the question my promotion oh, exams you were there mm. then the multi-choice question came in now the multi-choice question can you remember what year that would have been no I just I, I can't really I uh, can't remember what year it was but I can tell you that when it first came in, it was very, um, shall we say, not good from the point of view of being sensible. If you think of uh, who wants to be a millionaire, mm. take the first four questions they ask. That was the kind of level of the quality of the questions in the police service when they first came in. Right, so there's an overall feeling that the whole thing has been dumbed down, both with the quality of the yes. candidates yeah. and also the, 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 the way in which they were you know, learning. Certainly the way they're learning. Yeah. I mean, I'll give you an example. I once set a, a multi-choice question um, paper with 40 questions on it, gave them the answer sheet and said, do the, do the question. And they said, you haven't given us the questions. I said, remember what I've taught you? Do it. 50%. Actually, it was about 52% passed. And they hadn't even got the questions. <laughs> because I always taught them, if, if it's obviously not two or three, Forget it. If it's, it we'll say the one, two, four. I see yeah. it that way. If it's the first one, it's, it stands out usually. Yeah. So it tends not to be the first. Mm. If it's the last one, it tends to stand out a bit. 
So usually the quiet answer used to be in the first day, earlier days used to be buried in two or three. Yeah. So I said, if you do what you can do, make sure you don't jump the place, but look, leave the ones you don't know, then go back and decide, do all have got to be twos or all have got to be number three answers. And just put them in, whether you know or not, and you'll pick yourself questions up. And they got, I think it was 52% without having seen the question paper. Uh, <laughs> It's amazing how many people yeah. actually uh, come in with figures much lower than that, yeah. isn't it? But um, the more you look at them, the more likely you are to get things wrong. Yeah, that's right. Better just but yeah, I've got more. So, to be fair, they've got more sophisticated at writing yeah, questions yeah. since then. Yeah. This yeah. was the early days, and it was they weren't that sophisticated at writing okay. questions. Well, I well, yeah, we've just got a couple of, couple, couple of minutes. So, do you think you could sum up in a couple of minutes, maybe your your, your best moments and your worst Fondest moments? Memories. Yeah. Um, I would say first of all, uh, one of the things that was really good was going into a pub, and the, the two people had gone in this pub. A distraction. One jumped over the counter, and we got called. Get to the pub, and the guy behind the bar says, "Oh, the offender's back here, because he's landed on top of the Alsatian, the other side of the bar." <laughs> he didn't come back. <laughs> he was still there. That was one good one. And we used to do point duty. And, and Tendercross Street didn't have any traffic lights, and it was a major junction with, with rail level crossing gates both behind me and in front of me. And I'm there one day, and the restaurant, down his restaurant, about four to the right, and I mean, there's plates flying out the door. So I abandoned the point duty. This is about five o'clock at night when it's mayhem in Lincoln. Went in there, and there was a PC in there having to fight somebody. I don't know what it all started from. And we, we got this guy under control. All the people came, and I went back to my point duty. But it was like something out of the Wild West. We'd broken chair legs off. We'd broken table legs off Fantastic. in this restaurant. <laughs> I always remember that one. And then going back to the middle of the Tentacross Street, thinking, how do I untangle my traffic now? Because yeah. <laughs> it was just, everybody just goes to the middle if there's nobody telling them. If you had all your time over again, would you do exactly the same? Yes. Excellent. I would if it was the same as it is now. If it was ah. the same as things are today, no. No. Okay. Would I join today? No. Mm. But would I? Did, do I regret ever doing what I did at the time? No, I don't. I really enjoyed my career. Do you miss it? No. No. You moved okay. on to do something right. else. Cool. I okay. move on to do something. And you else. did quite a lot of other things, which I think. We're, we're, if we're if we're if we're, off, if we're you lying, might tell us about that. Yeah. If we pour you another drop of, you haven't touched your. Uh, well, well, that's because I'm keeping talking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll top you up, and then if it's okay with you. We'd like to hear a bit more about uh, what happened after. Will do. Very happy to do that. We're going to have to edit. I had a bit of a uh, technical hitch there. Well, anyway, thank you. Well, we're back on again. Something went wrong with the recording device. You know, this fancy recording device we've got. The first 58 minutes, have we? No. <laughs> we're, we're what bit do we lose? We're all technical on this recording device that we've yeah, got. Yeah. Oh, nice. the very high tech, John. I very high that. tech. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, thousands we spent on this uh, this kit. On that note, we'll say goodbye. We're going to fox off. Fox off. Okay. Thanks, John. Fine. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Lovely.